Hallelujah. Let's all stand this morning and go to the book of Amos. The book of Amos. I just appreciate the singing and appreciate the ladies trio there. Appreciate this presence. I got up this morning and uh, the Lord just really directed my heart to this passage immediately. And so I pray that God will speak to us this morning. And uh, isn't it good to be a part of a church that's alive? Amen. And the only reason we're alive is because he's alive this morning. Amen. Not anything within ourselves. We know that. And uh, we certainly praise him this morning. I ask you to pray that God would have his way in the, in the preaching hour this morning and that the Holy Spirit would help us. Uh, certainly a burden on our heart. I'll give you just a moment here to find your place in the book of Amos. Amos chapter number six this morning. It's in the Old Testament. Yeah, Amos chapter number six. And we'll begin reading here in just a moment in verse number one. Amen. Verse number one. The Bible says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Canel and see, and from thence go ye to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms or their borders greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon the beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of vile and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointment, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph." Therefore now shall they go captive with the first that go captive, and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would speak to us and through us this morning. Lord, we desperately need your help. We realize this morning that there's no preaching without you. God, we don't want to say or do anything in the mechanics of the flesh this morning. God, that we come this morning to you realizing that we need thee. As the old songwriter said, we need thee every hour. God, we certainly need you this morning. I pray that you'll make this message real to our hearts. Help us to have ears to hear and hearts that would listen. And God, may we all leave this place challenged and different than when we came. And Lord, we'll love you and we'll thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice in this passage of scripture that uh, here Amos is dealing with uh, the nation of Israel. And I know that when you think about the nation of Israel, they had the blessings of God, the promises of God. God had been good to them and God had walked with them down through the years and they had many stories and saw many miracles. They had seen the glory of God and even stood in the presence of God. But when we come to the sixth chapter of Amos here, the problem that is in this text is a lot of the problem that I think we see even in our churches today and in our pulpits and in our country, on and on we could talk about in our homes and even in our own Christian life. I wanna preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on the attitude of apathy. The attitude of apathy. The Bible said in verse number one, woe to them that are ease in Zion. And what we find in verse number one in that phrase, woe to them that are at ease in Zion is complacency. And what starts out complacency in verse number one winds up in verse number six of apathy. The Bible said, notice the last phrase, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. 
You see, they started out complacent in verse number one. They were at ease in Zion. That is step number one. Complacency always leads to apathy in our life. And so Israel, it becomes complacent. They become at ease in Zion. The Bible begins to describe that. It talks about their indifference in the first three verses there, how that they do not look around, do not see where their complacency is going to lead them to. It talks about their indulgence in verse number four and five, that they're lying on beds of ivory and they're taking the, the lambs out of the stall and, and devouring them and eating them. In other words, uh, they don't mind taking the young as if uh, they're not worried about their future. And then finally in verse number six, it leads to apathy. They no longer care about the needs of their own brethren that are standing around them. When you think about the attitude of apathy this morning, apathy simply means this, uh, a lack of interest or enthusiasm, unconcern without feeling or the absence of emotion, amen? Does that not describe a lot of our churches and does that not describe even a lot of our pulpits uh, and does it not describe a lot of so-called Christians in the day that we're living in? There is such a lack of interest or enthusiasm. There's so much unconcern and there's so much uh, uh, without feeling or the absence of emotion. People can get excited about everything and anything uh, nowadays except the things of God, amen? Now we understand that about the world, isn't that right? Because the world is dead in their trespasses and sin and a dead man doesn't feel anything. But woe unto us this morning that sit in the house of God and have the word of God in our hand and Jesus in our heart. I wanna tell you this morning, friend, by the grace of God, I don't want an ounce of apathy to get in the crevices of my soul for it will grow like a cancer and it'll overtake our life and I don't wanna get to the place where I lose my burden and lose my concern for the things of God, amen. I don't want to get unconcerned. I don't want to get to the place where I'm numb to the things of God without feeling, without emotion. I don't want to go to church and go through the mechanics of preaching or teaching or worship or singing. I don't want to sit around in the house of God with a lack of interest or enthusiasm. Friend, that is what apathy is and that is where we're at in this day and time. And what happens in this text is something Israel never even saw coming. And can I tell you that's exactly what happens in our homes, our churches, our lives. Apathy creeps in. It's like a thief that slides in under radar. It comes into our life and, and what happens is we do, we get at ease in Zion. We become comfortable for him and then we get to the place uh, where we just no longer care, amen? I'm telling you, listen, friend, we're living in that day and time. Uh, uh, listen, we, uh, if you and I are not careful, we can develop the attitude of apathy and not even realize it this morning. Get a hold of you. And what I see in this text here is five things concerning the apathy, the attitude of apathy in the life of Israel. I think that's happened in our churches today. Number one, I see their faith in self. Look what the Bible said in verse number one. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. What happens in this text here is that Israel gets to the place where they put faith in themselves. 
They look and they're trusting in their mountain, the mountain of Samaria. It was chief among all others around them. And listen, they have trusted in their own mountain. They trust in their own military, their own might. Uh, they realize, they feel like that they're self-sufficient, that they no longer need to look up. They no longer need to cry out that, that things are going so well in their life and everything is going in the right direction and the sun is shining and, and the birds are singing uh, and everything couldn't be better and prosperity is at its best and so therefore uh, they're trusting in the arm of the flesh and I want to tell you this morning as the songwriter said the arm of flesh uh, will surely fail you you dare not trust your own uh, I want to tell you this morning it doesn't matter how many sermons a man preaches uh, if he doesn't get filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and preach under the power of God uh, there'll be no results whatsoever uh, it's not in personality or charisma or intellect or ability or any of those other things uh, as well as it is in our worship services uh, we need God amen we need his presence uh, we need his touch uh, we need his power we need his moving uh, only he knows what we need uh, and how desperately we need him uh, but we cannot trust uh, in ourselves this morning you know there's a great danger when you do something over and over and over and over again at becoming complacent with it. And as you become complacent with it, you begin to trust your ability to do what you keep doing. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I, I've done such and such for years and, and I don't want to brag and I don't want to boast at it, but I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. I've heard that. Self-sufficiency. As if they could not any, do any better, that they could not improve, as if they could not make a mistake. Now, you're not gonna think that, you're not gonna say that, but it's woven in that statement, amen? It's within the heart of what is being said. I wanna tell you, I don't care if you sing like a mockingbird, I don't care if you can preach the house down, I'm telling you, when you stand, I don't care if you have mothered five children and there's another one on the way, I don't care, listen, what you've done if you've been a dad and you brought the paycheck home week after week after week. I remind myself and I remind every one of us this morning, if it was not for God, today if it was not for God, you and I would be in a world of trouble. We need him. We must have him. We cannot do this by ourselves. This is not a machine. It doesn't operate on money. It doesn't operate on man. It operates on the moving of the Holy Ghost and we must have God or that'll be of no effect this morning. And one of the greatest dangers of being in a good church is you can just blend in and develop the attitude. If it doesn't really matter, things will go the way they are. Things will be just fine. Faith in self. That We live in a day of pride. Oh, I'm telling you, Every man has pride, as we mentioned a couple Sundays ago. That worm and that apple come from the inside out, not the outside in. But when you think about pride this morning, that was their problem. Their pride, their possessions, their pleasure had stolen their burden. It had caused them to not be concerned. It had sucked the enthusiasm out of them. I would tell you this morning, if trouble got on our trail, every one of us would go looking for God, wouldn't we? Amen. If trouble got on our heels this morning, we'd all be doing some inventory and searching out our life and seeing where we stood and what we needed to do. But why is it when the sun clouds uh, 
Uh, listen, our sh- or the sun is shining over us and there is no clouds. Uh, if you and I are not careful, when prosperity is in our life, uh, when God's hand of blessing is in our life, uh, if we're not careful, we'll put our trust in ourselves uh, rather than trust in God. Uh, I'm telling you, there's only one thing you can be assured about the flesh this morning and that is it'll let you down. Amen? If the flesh has been consistent in anything, it's the inconsistency of the flesh. You can't trust yourself as long as you think you can do something or I think that I can do something. We're doing nothing but fooling ourselves this morning. Pride is such a blinder that it takes the Holy Ghost to reveal the pride. And then the flesh will rise up in such a way that it'll defend self. You ever heard people say, well, you know, it's really not my fault, but this or that. I want to tell you this morning, humility just raises the hand and says guilty. Faith, their faith was in their self. Secondly, they failed to see. Look what the Bible said in verse number two. Pass ye unto Canal and see, and from thence go ye to Hamath the great. Go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms or their borders greater than your border? You know what he's saying in verse number two? Open your eyes and look around you. Can you not see the destruction of these cities that are named? He talked about the Philistines, Gath, Hamath, Canal. He said, open your eyes and look at their destruction. Look at the divine hand of God that's come against them. Look at the death toll that has rised in these nations. Can you not see what's happening to them? Listen, can you not see if it happened to them, then surely God is saying to Israel, his people, those that had the promise, those that had the blessing, those that saw the miracles, those that stood in his presence, God said, look around. Those borders were greater than what you are. Those nations were greater than what you are. If they fell, if they went down because of apathy, don't you think Israel, the same thing that happened to them can happen to you. Amen. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me this morning. Look around. Look at people's homes. Look at other churches. Open your eyes this morning. Look at other homes. I'm not talking about people that that halfway was in and halfway out. Look at other homes that love God and live for Jesus and serve God. Look at other churches. I'm not talking about some little old church that doesn't know where they stand or what they believe. But think of a good church right now. A church that had the power of God. A church that had God's blessings. A church that was winning souls. A church that was doing something for God. If you've heard me and other men say it once, you've heard it a thousand times. You better think thank God for what you have. You better thank God for a place to worship. You better thank God for a good church. Don't take it for granted. Oh, listen, I want to kiss a carpet, a Bible Baptist church. You say, well, it's just a church. No, it's not. It's a place where God's presence is, where God's working and where God's moving and it can be gone tomorrow. Look around us this morning. Don't sit in church. And take for granted what we have. Don't look at the track record. I hear men say, well, you know, look at the track record. Track record means nothing when it comes to God's presence and blessings. We've had 21 great years and years before that. But I want to tell you this morning, it don't mean nothing about next Sunday, friend. It don't mean nothing about tomorrow. 
Oh, you need a place and I need a place. You need a place to bring your children. You need a place uh, for your home and your family. You need a place and not just any place. Uh, God said when you get to the place uh, where complacency gets in your life uh, and apathy creeps in and you don't care and you develop that attitude, you no longer care. You can't see. You're blinded. Uh, I would say this morning, oh God, open my eyes. Uh, help me never see this place any different than what I first saw it when I walked through those doors. Uh, help me to see. Uh, I need Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I need the congregation. I need these people here. I need a place to worship. I need a place to hear the word of God. Oh God, help me to appreciate what I have. Uh, don't let somebody poison me. Don't let somebody cause me uh, to look somewhere else uh, and think the grass is a little bit greener. I'm here to tell you that's the attitude of apathy, friends. You fail to see. You put faith in yourself. Oh, this morning, if you could just go from church to church, from place to place, I say if you could, but you wouldn't want to go very long. You wouldn't want to go very far. You wouldn't have to leave this county, friend. Till you'd come back to this church, not because, you said, do you think this church is the, I think it's the greatest church in the world or I wouldn't be here. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think we're the only church in the world. And I'm not an expert and I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer on any subject this morning, but I am here to tell you, friend, I know when God is in the church and I know when he's not. And I'm telling you, I've been in a lot of them that used to be what we are and better. They were bigger. They had greater borders. They had greater, they were stronger churches than what this church is. I'm not gonna pride myself this morning and saying this is a great church. This is a strong church. I'm telling you, listen, this is just a church that is leaning on the shoulder and the bosom of the only one that can put the blessings on us. And if he withdraws that, all the money and all the membership and everything we got and we're doing, it's nothing but ashes at the judgment seat. And we're nothing more than a social club. If the candlestick isn't in the midst, I'm talking about what will drive his presence away more than anything is the attitude of apathy, unconcern. Lack of enthusiasm. I would say this morning, don't listen, don't sit in church and file your fingernails. Somebody say amen. For God's sake, don't get in, sit in church and turn your phone on and get on your cell phone. God help you. Amen. If you're lost, I can halfway understand that. But if you claim to be saved and you're no more interested in church than that, you need to come on down to this altar and get right with God this morning. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, you've got so far out uh, that you've lost enthusiasm. If you get excited about anything else other than the house of God or more than the house of God, not other, but more than the house of God, then you ought to come and get right this morning. I'm telling you, listen, if you used to be thrilled to be here, but this morning you're looking for a reason to stay home, then you've got apathy in your life. We've not changed. You've changed, amen? Don't blame the church. Blame yourself. Put the blame where it goes this morning. I'm talking about the attitude of apathy in our lives. Amen. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Well, I love you. I ain't got to ask to grind with nobody. If I got an ax to grind, I go to your grinder. Amen. I don't grind it here. I go to your grinder, your stone, and we meet there. Amen. So we can resolve it. But I'm telling you this morning, it's a burden on my heart, church, because I see it everywhere I go. 
I see the weariness on pastors and I'm not one of them. I'm going to be honest with you. Do I ever get tired? Sure, but I am not a pastor that is weary with his people and thank God. But I see it in churches where pastors and their wives are so weary with their people. They're so... They're so concerned about the lack of concern. We're not perfect, but one thing we still have here, and I pray that God will send a revival to it even more, is that people are still concerned about the right things. Amen? If we ever get concerned about other things and we lose concern in the right things, you might as well put a for sale sign out there. We might as well sell this thing. Amen. We're no different than anybody else. But I see their failure to see. Open your eyes. Ask God this morning to open the eyes, the spiritual eyes of your heart. Look at your life. What are you doing for the cause of Christ? Are you making a difference? I see their faith was in their self. They had failed to see in verse number two. But notice in verse number four, they are fallen to sleep they lie on beds of ivory they've come to the place where that they have comforted themselves with ivory beds now can you imagine that a bed of ivory they've reached the point in their life the complacency has got so deep within them that they've become comfortable they have become careless and they've become calloused nothing moves them anymore there's no humility or submission anymore. They're, they've reached a place that preaching does not even bother them. It doesn't move them. They, they have drawn their lines in the sand. They've made their mind up that this is as far with God as I'm going to go. And I would say this morning that if you and I reach that place in our life that we're gonna be in terrible shape. Uh, listen, you do not, do not fall asleep uh, spiritually this morning. I want you to think about the things that don't bother you anymore. Don't blame others on your surroundings or your circumstances. Uh, don't have the attitude of apathy. Don't let it be a crutch to disable your spiritual life. 40 degrees yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. And the way I believe about Saturday morning visitation is this way. I don't believe if, I, I've, I've seen where if you didn't show up for visitation, you wasn't right with God. Well, I don't believe that. I'm gonna tell you why I don't believe that because I can name you two men sitting in this church that never come to visitation but probably pass out more tracks than anybody I know. An organized visitation is an opportunity to come together and go out visit. Some people are not physically able. Some people due to their work schedule. Some people maybe they wanna go deer hunting. I don't know. Amen. I've never scolded anybody for that. I always say it's an And we always have good numbers, don't we? 27 yesterday, we knocked on over 200 doors on a day, day that it was kindly cool. I wouldn't call it cold, amen. 40 degrees is not cold, somebody say amen. amen. Unless it's in the crevices of your soul, then it's really cold. I like cold weather. How many of y'all like cold weather? Amen. You know why I like cold weather? It's hard to sweat in cold weather. Amen. amen. And you'd always put more on when you get warm, but there's only so much you can take off, isn't that right? Amen. Or when you get cold. I like cold weather. I, in fact, I wish it was like, I wish it was like 30 Degrees. I mean, I love that type of weather. Amen. I like it when you go outside and you, you breathe and it looked like you just lit up on a marble. Amen. <laughs> I love it. It's cold weather. People dress better, at least most. I saw some that don't have enough sense. I think their brain was, you know, was frozen yesterday, but people generally put on more clothes in the wintertime than they do the summertime. But I thought about the flesh would say this about visitation. 
Well, it's 40 degrees outside. It's cold. And, and, and why would you want to go out on a Saturday morning when you got a million things to do? It's cold outside and, and you're going to knock on them doors and guess what? Nobody's going to open the door. Nobody's coming because uh, it's cold outside and they're in the bed and they're sleeping in and it's warm and it's 40 degrees. You've got a thousand things better to do. It's 40 degrees outside. You're crazy. But you know what the flesh will also do? At 15 degrees. It'll go out three hours before that. Or four hours. Or five hours. And if you're really retarded, it'll go six hours before. <laughs> Take a deer stand and climb a tree like a retarded squirrel and get up in it. It's 15 degree weather. You're shaking so hard that you don't really know you're hallucinating. You don't know if you saw a deer or not saw a deer. Amen. <laughs> You sit there all morning and you don't see anything pass by. You'll come down out of the tree and when you see your buddies, they'll say, well, did you see anything? No, but I really enjoyed nature. <laughs> well, it just does something for me to get out there in the cold and, and, and breathe in all that air. Helps my lungs and, and clears my mind and, and I feel so good. I didn't see anything. Truth is, you shot at seven and missed them, amen. You just don't want to tell nobody you're that bad of a shot. And so you say, well, you know, but, but boy, I just, just something about being out in nature. And you'll go back the next Saturday. And the next Saturday. I was hunting a few years back with my father-in-law and, and his brother, and we was on the side of, we was on the side of uh, Fort Mountain out there that morning. And I mean, it was like, it was like five o'clock in the morning, spitting snow. You couldn't see nothing. It's black as a thousand midnights, and I'm sitting out there and uh, waiting for the sun to come up, and I was praying the sun would come up. Listen, I wasn't praying it would come up to shoot a deer. I was praying it'd come up so I could get maybe five degrees warmer. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, how cold it was, but I mean, I think I saw a, a, a squirrel with a cup of coffee, amen. And I thought to myself, dear God, I sat there for an hour. I said, finally, I said, I can't take no more of this. I'm going back to the truck, amen. I thought, man, if they, if they want to sit out here and freeze to death, I mean, I had to pry my fingers off my gun, amen, with gloves on, by the way. And I got back to the, going back to the truck, I thought, well, you know, they're going to say I can't take it, but I don't care. At least somebody's got to survive to go back and tell about the casualties, amen. And so I get back to the truck, and you know what they're doing? They're sitting in the truck drinking coffee. One of them's a World War II veteran. I said, man, I said, what are y'all doing here? They said, oh, we've been sitting here. So we got there about 10 minutes and said, we couldn't take this. <laughs> I said, what are y'all? I said, you, I mean, do you know what? Isn't it amazing how we'll do something like that? So excited. And I'm not preaching against deer hunting. I, I thank God if you kill a deer, praise God for it, as long as you eat it. But you know what? It's amazing how our flesh will talk to us about the things that don't matter and try to discourage us or encourage us and the things that do matter. Oh, you don't want to go to the choir on Wednesday nights. You've had a hard day. You don't want to go to the choir this morning. I mean, your kids have acted like devils and you've had to whip them three times. You're not in a spiritual mood. Just sit there. You don't want to preach this morning. I mean, I mean, you're, you're tired. You're wore out. Just, just give a little sermon and they'll never know the dear. I mean, isn't that way the devil talks to us? I'm talking about falling asleep, friend. 
You know what we need every time we go to the house of God? Yes, we need encouraged. Yes, we need to, we need to be blessed. And yes, we need to be blistered. But I tell you, it doesn't matter what package that's in. I tell you what we need every time we go to church. We need the Holy Ghost to get a hold of our hearts and rattle out the cage of our soul real good and wake us up, amen. I don't want to go to church where a man of God pats or a preacher pats me on the head, sends me on my way, takes my money, and puts another number on the board. I want to go where God's working, where God's moving. I want to go to church and feel uncomfortable. I don't want to go to church and just feel at ease inside and feel like I'm a pretty good Christian because I'm not a good Christian. I need to see myself for who I really am and I need to see him for who he really is. I need help. I need stirred. I need moved. I need God's what I need. Amen. I don't want to go to sleep. Oh God, do you? I don't even as a preacher, I don't want to be the same preacher five years from now that I am today. I'm not much of a preacher. I just don't want to be the same. And I will tell you, I don't want this church to be the same church five years from now that it is today. We're always changing. We're always doing. We're always moving. You know why? Because we got to be better than what we were. I know within ourselves we cannot, but you can't go to sleep. You can't get at ease inside. You can't just say, well, this is all I'm going to do. This is all I'm going to be. You can't do that. There's too many things at stake. It'll cost you more if you do that. You got to make a move. You got to humble yourself. You and I have got to get right with God. We've got to be moving closer. And then I see they have a false security. Look at verse number five. They chant to the sound of vile. They invent to themselves instruments of music like David. They drink wine in bowls as if there's just more and more and more. They anoint themselves with chief ointments. They, the most expensive ointment you can buy. What happens is they're living like there's no problems and as if there's no punishment. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be changed. They don't want to be committed. They just want to coast. Is that not where we're at today? I want to go to a church where there's no requirements. I want to go to a church where, where I don't have to do certain things. I want to go to a church where I can just blend in, be whatever I want to be and do whatever I want to do and live however I want to live. Friend, that's a slippery slope today. We're living in a day of uncommitment. We're living in a day when I'll be honest with you, if you quit preaching like this, not that I'm anything, I'm not lifting up my flesh, I'm just telling you a fact. If you quit preaching like this, you know what'll happen? Your church will swell, but it will not grow. The difference between swelling and growing is that the people are not advancing. They may be coming more in number and there may be more money in the treasury, but they're not growing. God, help us this morning. I'm telling you, I don't want you to be the same Christian a year from now that you are today. I want you to be closer to God. I want you to be more right with God. I hope you want that for me and I want that for you this morning. But I'm telling you this morning, you well, there's a false security. They think that there's no punishment. They think that there's no problem. That's the America that we're living in today. That's the church world that we're living in today. I know men that have quit preaching on sin. They've quit calling things out by name. And now they just kind of give a watered down sermon that makes everybody happy and makes everybody feel good. But there's no challenge. There's no confrontation. What good is a sermon if it don't challenge our hearts this morning? If I leave the same way I came even out, you know the funny thing about preaching, let me just say this. God gives you the message 
You work on it and he works it in you as you're working on it. And we honestly, it convicts my heart. It brings me to my knees every, every time almost. And it gets in here. That's why I'm not against a man borrowing something. I would be lying to say I've never borrowed anything to preach. But I don't believe in going on the internet and getting sermons. Amen. I'd rather, and I've done it many times. I'd rather have a little napkin with something scribbled on it. It may not be the best, but at least it's real. And at least it's in here. But that sermon works in you. And then you get right with God. You say, Lord, I, I know they need this, but I needed this. Thank you, God, for speaking to me. And you feel closer to God. You feel, I don't know that I ever feel 100% everything I ought to be. And then you come back and you preach it. And while you're preaching it, you get under conviction all over again. Now you think it's bad on you. You're just hearing it one time. I mean, it's like, it's like I've never heard this sermon. It's like I've never preached it. You know why? Because it's the flesh. It's where we're at. I want to tell you this morning, don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in your own self. Don't trust in your family. Thank God for family. But you can't live for family. Somebody say amen to that. Don't you have mom and dad's religion? Thank God for mom and dad. Thank God for their heritage. Thank God for their faithfulness. But I'll tell you, God needs to be real to you. Amen. You know what I mean? What that means is don't do the things you do to plead just to please your parents. I, I think when you're a young child and when you're a teenager, you ought to do those things to please your parents and that's commendable. But once you step out on your own and you become an adult, that ought to change. Amen. You say, don't you want to please your parents? Well, sure I do. But I'm not living to please my parents. When you become an adult, you're to be the adult. You're to be the example because you want to please your heavenly father. I've seen people listen, as soon as their parents are gone they're gone. Amen. They're going to go sideways. They're going to change. Amen. Your loyalty needs to run deeper than flesh and blood this morning. What I'm saying is God has to be your God. He needs to be real to you. Listen, don't trust in a false sense of security. Then notice this, the attitude of apathy is they forgot the suffering. The Bible said that in verse number six that they're not grieved for their Affliction to Joseph. They had forgotten the people who were needy, the people who were neglected, and even the people that were near because Joseph was their own brethren. You want to know why people are so nasty in church sometimes? Apathy. People that claim to be saved, and probably are, at least some of them, and they're snooty and they're, they're unkind or they're bitter or they're full of malice or, or any of those things or they're, you know, they just... They're just those ways or they're sharp or they're, they're high-tempered or high-strung. You know what's wrong with those people? Somewheres along life's way, they let apathy come in. They got to where they didn't care. I will tell you the steps. And you mark my word this morning. You probably know this to be true. When apathy comes in somebody's heart and they get unconcerned, they become critical. They start looking around and they say, well, why is, why is Brother Mike sitting down in the front row? Why has he got on a blue shirt this morning? He thinks that blue shirt makes him look nice. He's all that stupid preacher. Yeah, but you know what? Doesn't matter how stupid it is. You let apathy get in your life and you let the devil plant any seed. 
in your mind. He'll water it, and friend, it'll grow like miracle grow. And what seems so stupid over time, it's a reality to you. You have chose to believe it. I have chose to believe. Well, so and so didn't talk to me. So and so didn't shake my hand. Well, so and so. You know, I was talking to a man one day. I'll never forget this. I was talking to a man one day, and we were standing there, and and this man, every time I ever see him, he's always smiling. From I mean, from ear to ear, like a possum. He's smiling. As I was talking to that man, I, I, he seemed to me to never have one care in this world. And uh, I was one day he asked me how I was doing this was several years ago, and I was I started telling him how some things that was going wrong in my life. He was a Christian. I started telling him, I said, you know, I just don't understand and this happened and this happened. And, and after about five minutes of talking to him, I mean, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, stop. Yeah. Quit telling him all your sorrows. Amen. Ask him about himself. And I said, hey, brother, I said, uh, you've heard enough of my problems. I said, uh, I said, how are things going in your life? And in my mind, I'm thinking, brother Jason, oh, he's, he ain't got a problem in this world. Buried his son, his his 21-year-old son, on that very day, one year ago. I said, how are things going for you? And he said, oh, they're going good, they're going good. He said, today's a difficult day for me. And I said, why? He said, well, one year ago, my 21-year-old son passed away. To that day. I'm going to tell you something. I felt about that tall. See, the thing is with apathy, you can't see nobody's problem but yourself. You're always playing the violin. We're always singing, woe is me. Oh, I've got it so hard. I've got it so rough. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't see. That's what happened in this text. Their own brethren, they forgot them. Then I'll close with this thought. They... The attitude of apathy is that you face severe consequences. God said in verse number seven that when captivity comes that they're going to be the first to go into captivity. Death, destruction, disgrace, all of that because they just got to the place where they did not care. This morning on my way to church I read a little article. It's about a lady, a missionary. And I read that article this morning about this young mother who the two bombers had come in had drove into the church that they were having service in and killed 10 people in that service and she was one of the survivors inside there and as you can see there her body is so disintegrated She said she was searching for her two sons and as they were searching for the two sons, both of them were killed. Her face, her arms, her feet, even where her sandals were marks the place where her flesh, she said, was on fire. They poured water on her. She said as she was laying there, she thanked God for the little bit of water that had went into her mouth and said she could feel nothing for a while. But as they began to take her to the hospital, she said as she was there, she could smell something burning and she realized it was her own flesh that was burning. And let me make a long story short, after after everything was done, the next Sunday, the church met in the same place 
for worship. Amen. Even the Muslims in that area said the Christians, their God gives them such great courage. But this lady, after she had went through all the surgeries and everything, she told the story of how that her body's in so much pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that Brother Daniel, she can't even hug her daughter because of the excruciating pain that it brings. She said here, she said, you never, you never think about the little things in life that are so much. She said, like the ability to hug someone that you love. She said, I'll never be able to hug them again. They'll never be able to hug me again. She said, but God makes no mistake. And she said, his will is the best will. You know what she did? Her and her husband went back to the same place and worshiped in the same church that those bombers had came in that brought that monstrosity to her life. And this morning I would say to us that while we sit in a beautiful sanctuary on padded pews, drive air-conditioned and heated vehicles, you say, preacher, you want me to feel guilty about it? Oh, no, I thank God for it. But in the midst of thanking God for those blessings, we've got to be very careful that we don't let apathy get the best of us. We don't reach the place where we're unconcerned that we lose our enthusiasm or we have no more feeling in the house of God as we stand this morning.